Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And on the podcast today, I've got our pastor of discipleship, Rob Spikestra. Good afternoon. Yes, there's that voice. <laughs> and I have our pastoral, my pastoral assistant, Kevin Noor. Hey, guys. And our deacon of Sacred City Youth, Alex Tate. How's it going, guys? Yes. And this segment of the podcast is where we cover uh, theology for everyone, and we're, we're working our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith slowly but surely. Um, we hope that this is helping you um, think a little more deeply about um, certain topics covered in Scripture. And we've been on the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about repentance. We are in chapter 15 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Um, this chapter is about of repentance unto life. And those, even that, every time we, we, we bring up this subject, we need to draw attention that repentance is a fruit of the Spirit. Mm. Re repentance is a means of grace. Re repentance is um, a gift of grace, right? It's, mm -hmm. it, it, it's repentance unto life. Yeah. So we shouldn't think of repentance as a duty or as a negative or as a failure or as something we try to avoid. Mm -hmm. uh, repentance is actually a good thing. Um, God gave us this as a means of grace because our sin just doesn't stop. Yeah. Right? So you don't graduate from sin no, and repentance? You well, you do. <laughs> okay. Upon death. All right. <laughs> upon death, which we're, we're trying not to work too hard to get there, uh, or Christ comes back, right? Yeah. And uh, he deals finally with our great enemy, mm -hmm. and uh, and we get new heavens and the new earth and, and the new, uh, new creation body yeah. where we will not sin anymore. But now... Um, we struggle with sin, right? We struggle with this battle against sin, the flesh and the devil. And so we need to talk about repentance. Um, article five and six, we're going to finish this chapter up today. And article five uh, says this, men ought not to content themselves with a general repentance, but it is every man's duty to endeavor to repent of his particular sins, particularly. Hmm. All right? So, this, um, first off, we know that when we're speaking of men here, we're speaking of all mankind. Uh, he's not just calling out the men. They're men and women ought to not content themselves with a general repentance but it is every man's or every person's duty to endeavor to repent of his particular sins particularly. All right, well, I was raised, I don't know if I was raised to repent like this, but this is how I repented when I was a kid. Every night before I went to bed, uh -oh. I said, Father God, please forgive me for all my sins. Uh, yes. Right. Yep. Just a blanket slate. I covered them all. Huh? I, I hope so. You know what I mean? Just cover them all. Like, let's not really talk. You know, let's not talk about details here. Let's just, Lord, if I die before I should wake, I don't want to go to hell. Right. So I ask uh, for you to forgive all my sins. <clears throat> and I think that prayer—that's not a necessarily a bad prayer, mm -hmm. right? But 
it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of like the hail mary pass. Yeah. It's the hail mary pass. The you got a few seconds left of the game, and you just throw it up the hail mary. <laughs> throw it up, and you're hoping something comes down in the end zone, right? Um, and the West the Westminster divines here are drawing a, our attention to we don't. I mean that that's that, that's not necessarily bad, mm-hmm. but it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, we should repent particularly of our particular sins. Now, what text do they have backing this up? We got Psalms 19. Keep back your servant as, keep back your servants also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over you. Then I shall be blameless. Hmm. Keep your servants from presumptuous sins. Yeah, that's an interesting word, presumptuous. That's one that you're presuming is okay is it what's the presumption there i don't know kevin you chose that scripture so why don't you tell us what's going on break it down kev <laughs> let me pull that up let's take a look here be interesting to know what the other what a, another virgin would version would say in terms of that particular word because it almost sounds like it's something that you would be doing in such a way that um it almost sounds willful to me. Presumptuous sin seems to be a willful sin. Yeah, to me. I mean, and Romans says, so, "Do not, you know, presume upon the kindness." Yeah, right? yeah like, yeah. So you just like in, in the Romans context when it's using presumptuous, it's saying, "Oh, it's God's kind. It doesn't really matter how right, we sin. Right. I can just go ahead and do it." Yeah, and that's, so I'm sure that's what that's probably referring to there in Psalm Psalm 19. Well, the the Christian Standard Bible um, translates it willful sins. Willful sins. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and so when you think about repentance, repentance is, is this, it is an act of the will. It's, 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 our, it's our desire. It's what we want. And repentance, what I, I think the divines are telling us to do is that we need to, we've used our will in such a way that is against God's will. And he's, they're calling us out and yeah. saying, hey, let's call it for what it is. And, and repentance is a turning away from that sin. A turning, it's acknowledging your will was, was sinning and turning going the opposite direction yeah and when yeah. you and that's that's a good point because when you generally confess or repent you're not really turning from anything yeah no because there's nothing specific right you, mm-hmm. nothing specific comes to mind and repentance goes right hand in hand with with some form of restitution right so let remember uh, the apostle I, I think it's paul i can't remember where it's at now let the thief no longer steal mm-hmm. but let him get a job yep. right and yep. work hard and labor to yep. provide for the household of faith, especially so for mm. uh, for his brothers and sisters in Christ, right? right. So, right. so there's this like you were a thief, and so guess what? You don't just say, "Oh Lord God, please forgive me for my sins." That that certain sin, theft, requires a certain uh, shape of repentance, yep. and that's rest restitution. So that certain sh- sin requires you to confess it not only to God but to the people you stole from, and then. To get, I mean, give back to whoever you stole from, yeah, yeah. right? Right. And that you even have this language, you owe a debt to society. Right, right? right that's yeah. true. You know? Yeah, that's and, good. And yeah. that your repentance should bring some restitution huh. to that to that debt, yeah. right? And if your repentance is only general, you're never going to get there. Yeah. So what does that step-by-step step process look like? Um, 
I guess we heard what, what you did when you were a kid, right? Trying to throw up the Hail Mary, but what does that process look like as, you know, a Christian, you know, asking for that repentance? Well, it would be, oh, this word is so terrible for me. It's in my mind, but like, I'm scared to try to say it. Commi- commiserate? Commiserate? Yeah, commiserate. Commiserate? Commiserate, I think that's right. Okay, yeah. commiserate. Yeah. With whatever sin you commit. Yeah. So if, you're li- if you lied to someone, that repentance would look like repenting to God and then going to that person and confessing that sin and repenting to them and asking and asking their forgiveness, right? If it was stealing from a person, it would require all those things I just said mm-hmm. plus repaying them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, making some kind of restitution. Um, you, you, I mean, this is when you get into a little bit of the Lex... Talionis of the Old Testament that taught like kind of like an eye for an eye yeah. and a tooth for a tooth, which didn't really mean like if you punched a guy, if a guy punched you in the eye, you can go punch him in the eye. Mm-hmm. It was that the punishment should be in relation to the crime committed, mm-hmm. right? And so you see, like in the Old Testament, when somebody, uh, you know, accidentally did something mm-hmm. that uh, they weren't killed for it or they weren't, you know you know, an eye for an eye, but they yeah. had to pay money that to, to restore that relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say I accidentally kill your, your, your calf, right. You don't walk over and kill my calf. Yep. I have to pay. I have to buy your calf. Yeah. Right. I have to give you the money that is commiserate to what actually happened there. Right. Mm-hmm. And so repentance should look, should look like that. Whatever it is that whatever particular sin we've done, our repentance should take, a particular shape. So was there such thing as uh, private and public repentance? Yeah, but that's in the next article, so I don't okay. bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's in Article 6. Uh, but do we have, did somebody bring up Luke 19? I can. I oh, know, I got it right here. Luke 19.8 says this. Remember this. Um, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. <laughs> And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. So we see there that repentance took a certain shape, mm. right? He, number one, I, you know, it's, he's, he's, it seems to be here, we can infer that Zacchaeus uh, probably worshipped money, and probably stole money yep. and probably yep. <laughs> extorted people for mm-hmm. money. And so when he came to the Lord and he was convicted of his sins, his repentance wasn't just praying the sinner's prayer, but it actually required, it actually was giving half of his goods to the poor. And if he defrauded anyone, anything, I will restore it fourfold. Mm-hmm. So we see re- repentance again, takes a very specific shape there. Yeah. The beauty of that, moment though there was did you notice no, Jesus didn't tell him to do that yeah that came right out of his own heart you know mm-hmm. and that's when we really began that that's the beauty of repentance when the Holy Spirit convicts you it convicts you he convicts you in such a way that you there's a there's a want he yeah. his desire changed his desire changed went from wanting one thing to opposite he wanted to give it away the very thing he used to love he now wants to give it away and it came right out of just an impact of mm-hmm. the of meeting Jesus mm-hmm. and uh yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, you almost get the sense he was happily, you know, I don't know what his tone of voice was, but it, he seemed to be pretty enthusiastic about, 
I will do this. I mean, he's not been, you know, he's not been strong armed. He hasn't, you know, been told, wait, this is what you need to do. He, he right out of his own heart. Yep. Pretty yep. cool. Yep. Right out of his own heart. Um, exactly. So, but it is every man's duty to endeavor to repent of his particular sins, particularly. So we all have a duty to God to repent of our sins. Now listen, David does repent. Remember when David said in Psalm 51, against you and you alone have I sinned, God? That was true ultimately. His sin was ultimately against God, but his sin was also particularly against Bathsheba, against is it Uriah, her husband, mm, yeah. against his other wife, wives, oh right? Goodness. So, he, and it was against the kingdom. Like so, so David's sin and David's repentance um, needed to be general or universal or up to God, you know, ultimate. But it also needed to be particular. He needed to sin mm-hmm. or confess his sins to yeah. those he sinned against in particular. And so, the same is true for us. When you sin against your wife, you don't just need to go to God in your in your prayer closet and confess your sins to, to him. You need to go to her specifically and confess your sins. So what does it look like if someone doesn't accept your repentance? Well, that is a difficult situation because the relationship cannot be restored mm. unless there is acceptance of forgiveness, right? But ultimately your sin is ultimately against God and God promises to always forgive you of your sins. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there will, there could be, there will be oftentimes where God is gracious and God will forgive us because of the work of Jesus, but somebody else might not, mm-hmm. you know, especially somebody who doesn't understand the gospel and doesn't understand grace. Um, they might cut you off right away. They might mm-hmm. write you off right away. And so that would look like, um, handing that over to Jesus and asking Jesus to, to change their heart and that, and you, um, living as a forgiven son or daughter of God and, um, and living a life that bears the fruit of repentance. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times people don't want to forgive you or forgive someone because you've done it so many times and they're just tired of being hurt and people in their family, people, and maybe they have a counselor that says, you know, you need to get out of that relationship. You need to get away from that person. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to hand that over to God and ask God that, that that person would get healing and that you would become the type of person that wouldn't do that ever again. Yeah. Right. And then maybe in the future, God would restore that relationship. So what know? if it's like a Christian to Christian? Well, I think it, it could be the same thing. Okay. It could be the same, the, the same example, the same example. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on probably both individuals' spiritual maturity, mm-hmm. right? Where they're at with with the Lord, where they're at in their walk with the Lord. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think the importance in confessing sins, particularly using biblical categories of sin. Mm. So, you know, I'm sorry I called you a mean name. It's like, no, I'm sorry that I committed murder according to Jesus, you know? Mm. I think that adds a little gravitas to it. That adds a little bit of weight behind it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. What it does is it brings reality. It brings spiritual reality Mm -hmm. into the relationship. And that spiritual reality before I just was like, I kind of brushed it off. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really need 
forget like forgiveness from God. It wasn't a sin. It wasn't, mm. you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was just, you know, no big deal. But now I'm bringing spiritual reality and spiritual categories into this. And now I'm saying, oh, I need to be forgiven by God. This mm. is, this is a sin against you and a sin against God. Yeah. This, if left unchecked is a cancer I brought into this that could destroy our relationship. Yeah. And so, and so it's kind of like the cross chart. Remember the cross chart, mm-hmm. the, 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 as I grow in my relationship with God, my sin, I see my sin clearer and clearer. And that means my sin is wor- is worse and worse and worse and worse. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, my understanding of the cross is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Right. So if I have a small idea of sin, then I need a small cross to, to, to forgive it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if I have a huge concept of sin, yeah. then I need a huge cross mm-hmm. to forgive it, right? Or a huge savior to forgive it. Yeah. So I, yeah. And it also, it helps shape that. This is a, that's a good point you brought up, Kevin. It helps shape our worldview mm-hmm. because yeah. like, like what are, what's sin? Yeah. You know, like yeah, that's good. what is sin? Like, Oh, guess what? That saying that word or, or having that attitude, that's a sin. Mm-hmm. Oh, that selfishness. That's a sin. Mm-hmm. Grumbling and complaining. That's mm-hmm. a sin. That's gossip. That's a sin. Mm-hmm. Like, that helps us, I mean, because all sins are, are against God's character, right? Sin is the, the opposite of what God is, mm-hmm. right? God, God is a truth teller, we tell lies. God is holy, we are not. God is beautiful, we mar that through destruction. God is pure, we are impure, you know, like whatever. We could go through that. So w- the clearer we see our sin... It, it actually kind of helps us, and we, if we can have biblical categories and name it, it actually helps us see God in a clearer way as well, because yeah. he's not like that, mm-hmm. right? And so it, I think it helps shape our worldview, and for our kids especially, mm-hmm. this is really important for parents to know the biblical categories of sin so that your kids learn not just you're, you're mad at them because they got on your nerves. Right you're punishing them for, for, you know, breaking house rules, but you're actually disciplining them because that's, a, that was a sin. Yeah. Like, like, like God says that that was a sin. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I think it, yeah, it helps us, helps us see the world it's confessing our sins particularly. Yeah. Right? yeah. And you know, you think about the world that we live in now where, um, you, you're either going to have to face your sins or you're going to have to ignore your sins. And, uh, and so we reduce, what sin really is to mm-hmm. major categories of, you know, so we'd go back to what the Lord had to say with regards to the, you know, Sermon on the Mount. We'd say, well, murder, of course, that's a sin. But when Jesus says, oh, no, it's just even from your heart, thinking evil or speaking mm-hmm. evil yeah. of someone, yeah. that is the same thing. And, yeah, so we live in a culture that just, you know, really minimizes the very thing that we're talking about here um, because they, there's nowhere to go. And so if you don't have anywhere to go, just let's, let's not call it sin. Anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and there's no, there, there's no truth. There's no uni- universal standard of truth. Yeah. So as a parent, one of the things that my wife and I discovered was we had a few children <laughs> who were basically just grumbling, yeah. just, just grumbling sure. and complaining. Yeah. And we were like, what do we, what, are, what is this? And it's yeah. like, oh, this is a sin. First off, the Lord tells us rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Yeah, in all yeah. things. You know, rejoice in all things. Like, <laughs> so the, like grumbling and complaining, and many parents don't discipline grumbling. Yeah. And when you don't discipline grumbling, guess what you get? Mm-hmm. More grumbling. grumbling yeah. Because kids know they grumble to get their way. Yeah. They grumble to get to not eat their peas and to go get ice cream mm-hmm. and to wear that thing, to do their hair this way because all the other kids are doing it or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And they just, and they become 
miserable people. Yeah. And the more you grumble, the more miserable you are. And the more your kids grumble, the more miserable they make you are as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. So grumbling actually just creates like miserable homes, miserable miss- missional communities, miserable mm-hmm. churches. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a, a good example of like confessing a sin, particularly yeah. Yeah. the sin of grumbling, the sin of not rejoicing in all things. Yeah. And I think it's even uh, good that you brought that up because uh, like in the home, so many of us, you know, have not had a biblical background or whatnot, but they discipline more out of um, anger and frustration instead of like sin and addressing the sin and walking out with the kids in yep. disobedience. So yeah, I just that's think good. that's great that you brought that up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And you think about then, now we can see why this is, is such a good, you know, a good truth here for us to be mm-hmm. considering because if, can you imagine, well, you know, if, if, you're, if your children are repenting of this grumbling, more and more they're, they're thankful and grateful for the very things they have. And what a happy home that is, you know, yeah. when, they're, when they're just thankful for the little things of life. And, and yeah, that's, yeah. now we, yeah, we can see the beauty of exactly. it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Father, for being such a biblically kind father. <laughs> right? No, that doesn't happen yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Thank you, Mother, for making these peas. I really appreciate these peas. You're going to keep talking like that forever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like to do that, you have to have some kind of British accent. You know what I mean? All right. So Article 6. There you go. As every man is bound to make private confession of his sins to God, praying for the pardon thereof, upon which and the forsaking of them he shall find mercy, so he that scandalizeth his brother or the church of Christ ought to be willing by a private or public confession and sorrow for his sin to declare his repentance to those who are offended, who are thereupon to be reconciled to him and in love to receive him." All right, that's a long, that's a long and difficult paragraph with a lot of commas. It's a run-on sentence. Okay, that is one long sentence. It's Pauline right there. Yeah. Okay, so let me paraphrase this. Every man, just so we're we're when we sin, we are bound to God to make private confession to God and mm-hmm. ask God to forgive us of our sins, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we will find mercy for doing that. But because my sin is also, most of the time, public in some way. I've sinned against a brother. I've sinned against a sister. I've sinned against the church of Christ. I've sinned against my missional community. I sinned against my neighbor. Then I ought to be willing, through a private or public confession and sorrow for his sin, to declare his repentance to those that are offended who are thereupon to be reconciled to him and in love to receive him. Okay, the easy way to say this is if your sin was done in private, you should repent in private. Mm -hmm. If your sin was done in public, you should repent publicly. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, What what scriptures do we have for this? Did you choose some? Yep, Kevin. Okay. Psalms 51. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and in word being, and you teach me wisdom in secret heart. Purge me, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. 
Let me hear joy and gladness. Let my bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. So that's funny because that obviously was a private confession at first. Yeah, at first. <laughs> at first, but then, da- I mean, David, can you imagine handing over your prayer journal? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, for the Nobody rest of wants the to generations. Share their to be- Nobody <laughs> wants to share their journal. <laughs> and that's what that's what we're reading. Yeah, right there, that's right? what we're reading. Yeah. So so it, it was private. So that repentance is both private and public. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And and we also sh- uh, David had other instances of public repentance as well, um, where he 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 basically was sad and he put on ashes and sackcloth and and and. And even with this situation with his son, mm-hmm. he, he grieved and and they finally told him, "Listen, you've got to <laughs> stop. You got to stop." Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, any other scriptures there? Yeah, Proverbs twenty eight thirteen. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. That's good. Yeah. Um, we are called to confess them. We're called to repent. It's kind of like, you know, you, you trying to conceal your sin is trying, it's kind of like not letting a wound, it's going to let a wound fester. It's, mm-hmm. it's like not letting the wound breathe and it's going to get, it's going to have all kind of uh, consequences, mm-hmm. right? In your own soul. Um, and then also with the, with the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got, what else we got? We got anything else? Yeah. First John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay. And then James. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. All right, that's James 5.16. So confess your sins to one another. So again, the idea is when you sin in private, you repent in private. When you sin in public, you repent in public. Mm-hmm. So... Here's a scenario. You lost your temper in missional community and you, you know, you said some things you shouldn't have said and you did some things you shouldn't do. Um, that week you go home and, and you, you realize your error. What should you do? Repent. What does that look like? Um, of course, um, since it was that missional community, I think it's uh, a piece where you have to repent in front of everyone and let everyone know where you fell short and uh, ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the, the the benefits of a gospel-centered missional community is when you when you have opportunities to do that. People that are that are more religious, um, they do their best to not sin publicly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and because they do their best to not sin publicly, they very rarely confess publicly. And because they don't confess publicly, their missional community actually doesn't even know if they're sinners most of the time, mm. right? And so when you see, uh, and, and guess what? It can be, it could be the complete opposite of that too. You could be like, hey, I was sitting in missional community and I saw something and I didn't say something mm. and, and, I've sinned against you because I didn't speak up and tell you the scripture. I, I sinned against you by not telling you the truth. I cared more about the peace of that night than I did about the truth or your sanctification or your growth in godliness. So you're saying it's important to confess sins of commission and omission. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and if I do that publicly, then I should repent publicly. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like this. The guy who loses his temper 
yes, he or gal, he needs to repent. But the guy who is in one author's term, a peacemonger who just kind of sits there and just wants to keep the peace. And he's not, he doesn't love you enough to step up and say something. Mm -hmm. That's a failure of love too. And so that guy or gal also needs to repent. Yeah. Right. So that, that's a, that's a thought. So what does a time gap look like? Is there a certain time gap that it has to happen with repentance? Cause some people's like, Oh, that's not real repentance, you know, because it took you this long, you know, is that, is well, that you could always say, no, that's not, there's no such thing as that. But okay. obviously we want to say the quicker, the better, but people could say the same thing. Like you do it and then you're, oh, I'm sorry. And then you're, like, you're not sorry. You haven't had time to sit in it. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Flash laughs> you know what I mean? You're not sorry. <laughs> Don't tell me you're sorry. No, I am, but I'm not going to grovel about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't, we're not trying to punish people. Mm-hmm. Um, repentance can be quick, mm-hmm. right? Repentance, we want repentance to be really quick. As soon as it's acknowledged, ah, you're right. I did do that. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. Right? We want That's it good. to be quick. The quicker the repentance, hopefully the hopefully the quicker the, the restoration. Yeah. Right? And that's what um, the Westminster Confession here, it says, so they, we confess it to those that are offended, listen, who are thereupon to be reconciled to him and in love to receive him. Mm-hmm. So there's two sides to this. There's also the side of, <clears throat> I forgive you. I receive mm-hmm. your repentance. And I'm not trying, I'm not, waiting to see if you really mean it or not. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be, if they're quick to repent, I'm not going to be slow to forgive. Mm. Yeah. Right? So if they're quick to repent, I want to be quick to forgive. Yeah. And what do you think about an individual who, as we described earlier, someone who has sinned in the same manner multiple times against an individual and they've offered this forgiveness over and over and they keep coming back and sinning again and they feel, you know, let's say the scenario is they really truly feel convicted of this. Um, We're still saying, yeah, you need to forgive them. Uh, But it does seem to me that there is some kind of the consequence of me continuing to practice that particular sin over and over again is going to still impact that individual. So It seems that we do have room for an individual to say, yes, you're forgiven, but there's there's a needing of a working out in that relationship Mm -hmm. that there will still be consequences, I think, to to that. So you know what I'm you know you know what I'm trying to tease out here. Yeah. So first, the first statement is, how often should I forgive my brother? Seventy times seventy. Jesus, Jesus (laughs) Jesus tells us that, right? Which is basically infinite, infinite. Um, But there's I would say something like there's levels to this, yeah. right? If my neighbor always punches me in the face, right? I'm I'm going to forgive him and then stay away from yeah. him, <laughs> right? Or, or, any, or if he's consistently steals from me, like, you know, there, there's going to be, there's some sins will require the, the breaking of a relationship, the separating of a relationship. Um, we talk about, and I mean, but this is, we're, we're getting down here to really the heart of the gospel and in, in relational and doing, dealing with relationships. Because on the one hand, um, we want people to repent and turn and change. Mm-hmm. The, reality, uh, the reality is we struggle with sin in certain ways and that struggle goes so deep 
there's certain things that are probably never going to really change about us. God can change them. And usually what that looks like is maybe the frequency gets way farther in between. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you are, um, if you're more passive, if you're a more passive person, you're probably always going to fall to struggle with passivity, mm-hmm. right? You maybe let the, I think the goal is to be less passive, right? Mm-hmm. If you struggle with aggression, you're, you're probably going to always be a little aggressive, but the struggle is to, the, the goal is to be less aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the reason I'm trying to tease this out a little bit is because I, there's like, the, there's nuance here. If your husband is cheating on you, and this is a consistent thing over and over, well, what we would say, okay, then this right here is a sign that he is not repentant. Mm. And this might, this might be reason for divorce. It's yeah. not guaranteed, it, it, you know, but it might be a reason for a dissolution of the marriage. Mm. But if, if your husband is passive, that's not a reason for right. dissolution of the marriage. But it could, it, it, but that will go, that will haunt your marriage. Mm-hmm. That yep. that still is a sin that needs to be rooted out and confessed. But God put us together, and I'm just going to use marriage because I think that's that's where that's an easy example. Your wife's sins are kind of always going to bug you, and your husband, the husband's sin, they're always they're always going to bug you. And God puts you together to help you grow into a better man and a better woman mm-hmm. to to confess those sins particularly in a certain way and to help each other grow. But if either one, if, if the husband sins and he's little and he's passive or whatever, and, and the wife's, Oh, here, there you go again. You're never going to change. I need well, he's getting punished both sides of the, the coin here. Mm-hmm. One, he's passive and he's disobeying God and he, he's, and he's sinning against God. Then he's sinned by passive, but then he's getting, condemned and he's getting shamed and typically that's probably going to he's going to react to that by being even more passive mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that's that's typically what happens there right um and so there is there there should be an attitude of grace in all christian relationships that i mean gives grace upon grace upon grace upon grace I don't see how we can consistently go to God for grace for our sins and then have a heart level response of, here they go again. They did it again. Knew it. You're never going to change. Mm-hmm. I, 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 for me, that's that you, you are, there's something, I would say, almost like capped off in your relationship with God because you, hopefully you know that that's not how God receives you, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And, or maybe maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's what how, yeah. you, you know, what you do think he does. That, yeah, maybe that's what you do, yeah. you know. And um, uh, and that we would have no relationship with God if that's what God did. Right. Right. Yeah. You yeah know? Absolutely. So so there are things. So what I'm trying to get to is there are things that would require us to separate from a community or from from a marriage. There mm-hmm. are things that like if a, a sin we talk about. There's no little sins, but there are. There are sins that have greater external or relational consequences than others. Yes. And so when those sins are done consistently or repeatedly, 
then yeah, that might cause um, a person to be removed. I mean, that's what church discipline is yeah. all mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but I, I think the attitude to have that gospel-centered, gracious attitude that that love keeps no record of wrongs, mm-hmm. right? First right. Corinthians thirteen, love right. keeps no record of wrongs. So what does that look like with, is is it okay to have grace plus caution if if someone has sinned against you? Are yeah. they continuing to sin, sin against you? I think that would be wisdom. That okay. would be wise, right? I mean, Proverbs tells us a, a, a companion of fools suffers harm, right? Like yeah. we're hanging out with fools. if the, and, and a fool is a person who consistently returns to their own sin. Yeah. And, right? And so there's going to be wisdom in that mm-hmm. there's going to be wisdom in that mm-hmm. right for sure jesus did not in, he said i know what's in the, i know what's in the heart of man so i will not entrust myself yeah, to interesting. them it's mm-hmm. amazing yeah right yeah and so so he wasn't making his um you know whatever his soul he wasn't making it he wasn't giving them permission to tur- to to flip his life upside down yeah yeah right, right? Sure. whenever they whenever they wanted to so there's definitely going to be wisdom in that okay. um yeah, so again, I, so it's important, husbands, wives, not to turn into watchdogs and legalists and nitpickers and naggers. I mean, the Proverbs, yeah. you know, a nagging wife is like a constant dripping in the roof, Proverbs tells us. <laughs> and a legalistic man, you know, like the the anger of fathers, we're not, we're not to provoke our children being nitpickers. And so we, we should have a gospel-centered, gracious attitude and we should treat them as Jesus treats us, right? So, all right, there it is. So if you've sinned publicly, repent publicly. If you need open mic on Sunday morning, just let me know. <laughs> uh, I can give it to you. So. All right, hopefully this is helpful to you guys. Uh, we love you. If you got any questions, email me, justindeensacredcitychurch.com. We will talk to you soon. God bless. Thank you, mother, for making these peas. (laughs)